the name of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Would all the kids and teens up to the 12th grade please come forward? guys. Come over here so I can see you. Sit right there. Thank you. I'm glad you came forward. You can turn around and face me. How's everybody? Happy Easter. Happy Easter. Still. A few more days. Weeks. So, um, Father Michael does a wonderful job of telling us how when Jesus rose from the dead, the disciples that night were very much afraid, and so they were hiding behind locked doors, and there was good reason for them to be afraid. But then our our first reading from Acts chapter 5 today, uh, let's skip forward, because Jesus in his resurrected body is still coming and going and coming and going for for 40 days until he ascends into heaven. So right after that, 10 days after that, on on the day of Pentecost, God sends his Holy Spirit upon the disciples and and gives them strength and courage and and all sorts of wonderful gifts. And so we come to chapter 5 after that event. And the temple police, they had Jesus, uh, they had the apostles arrested and I'm sure the fear was still there, um, but here's what happened. They, they, they said, we told you, do not speak in this man Jesus' name or else. I mean, I'm not sure they said or else, but everybody knew what they meant because they, they, had, they did beat up, they did beat the apostles. They did all kinds of horrible things. Because they, they just could not get over this, this, this Jesus guy who messed everything up for them. Not the apostles, the, the, the chief priests and all. So the high priest, they, he comes to the apostles after they arrest him. And, and they said, so we told you, don't do this. And Peter, after he had received the Holy Spirit, Peter says, we must obey God. We have to obey God rather than human authority because the God of our fathers has raised Jesus, the one that you put to death on the cross from the dead. He raised him from the dead and he gives us forgiveness of sins. I mean, Peter's saying this in front of these, these, the high priest and all these other officials, religious officials, knowing that they could be put to death for saying this, but the Spirit was speaking through them just as the Holy Spirit speaks through us, gives us strength. You know, in many, many countries in this world right now, if a Christian even mentions the name of Jesus, that Christian can be put to death because they're being persecuted. There are people right now who speak strongly, boldly, carefully, in the name of Jesus, knowing that someone from the government might put them to death. 
because they're not supposed to mention the name of Jesus. But the Holy Spirit is powerful enough to give us that courage and that boldness and that caution and that carefulness when to do it and when not to do it. Peter showed us that we are to have the courage to speak boldly on behalf of God, boldly on behalf of the resurrection of Jesus. And not to, not just to, it's not just another everyday event. This is something that changed the world, the resurrection of Jesus. And we celebrate this resurrection until the, the day of Pentecost, 50, 50 days from last week. So speak boldly, pray boldly, ask God to give you what you need to, 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 to speak to people about Jesus. Now, our, our greatest fear is somebody's going to make fun of us because we talk about Jesus. They, they might think we're a religious freak. That's our biggest fear. We're not, being, we're not afraid of being put to death over here in this country. But God gives us the right spirit to, to move us forward, to share Christ with others. Because that's what we're created for, to share God with other people. Okay? All right, thank you for coming up. Father Michael, you're on, brother. Heavenly Father, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be pleasing unto you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, my name is Father Michael Schwantes. Father Stan just mentioned, I'm the Associate Rector and Youth Minister here at St. Timothy's Anglican Church. I just want to spend a minute or two and say welcome to anybody who may be joining us for the first time this morning. I just want to draw your attention to our welcome desk that is in the lobby or the narthex of our building. Um, and in, the, in that welcome desk, we have lots of gifts for you for your first time visiting us here today. Uh, I want to draw your attention to our welcome folder, a welcome packet for newcomers specifically. It has lots of information about the church and why we do things a certain way and, you know, what's the question or what's the answer to that specific question you may have and you can take that home and that is our gift to you. Um, if you do have any questions and you can't wait to read the packet, you're more than welcome to come to myself, the clergy, or any of the other leaders here and we will do our best to answer your question. If you are joining us here for the first time, perhaps it is your first time in a liturgical church, a church that celebrates the church calendar and has the, the, the rich tradition of the liturgy standing behind it. Uh, and if you are new to a liturgical church, maybe you're wondering why we're still talking about Easter. Easter was last week. I thought that's something that we already did and done with. Um, but as Father Stan just so wonderfully explained, uh, we find ourselves in a liturgical season called Eastertide, where we celebrate the fact that Jesus Christ has risen from the dead for a period of 50 days, which as those of you who know about Lent, you will find is actually 10 days longer than Lent. And the reason for that is we felt it was important, the church fathers and everybody, they were formulating the church calendar, thought it was important that the celebration should be longer than the period of preparation, where we celebrate the resurrection for just 10 days longer than in the period of Lent. And what we're going to find as we wander through this wonderful season of Eastertide that our scripture lessons will reflect 
what it means for us to believe in the resurrected Christ, what it means for us to to embrace the truth that Jesus Christ really has risen from the dead, that he really did what he claimed to do all of those times he was here on this earth and how the scriptures point to that wonderful truth. This morning, we're going to spend a majority of our time in our gospel lesson. So if you have a Bible, I encourage you to open up to the 20th chapter of John, what we just read. If you don't, there should be a pew Bible in front of you. There should also be a scripture insert in your bulletin that you uh, snagged on the way in. Uh, I encourage you to have the scriptures in front of you just to uh, have them to read along as we go and walk through this passage of scripture together. But the reason why I was drawn to the gospel lessons, I feel like the gospel lesson, what it does for us is it begs an important question in each of our lives is that whenever we are confronted with the reality of the resurrected Jesus, what happens to us? Because the truth that is before us, brothers and sisters, is that there is a big step between believing in the teachings of Jesus and that the teachings of Jesus are moral and that the teachings of Jesus are good and having faith that he has risen from the dead. See the difference? And so the question before us is what happens whenever we are confronted with the reality that he really has risen from the dead? And what we find and what John paints so beautifully for us is that whenever we are confronted with the reality of the resurrected Jesus, we find that we are a sent people. We find that Jesus meets us where we are. And we find that Jesus desires to give life. We find that we are a sent people, that Jesus meets us where we are, and that Jesus desires to give life. Let's dive in. We're going to be in verse 19. Again, that's John 20, verse 19. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the disciples had gathered together and locked the doors of the place because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. Just as the Father has sent me, I also send you. And after he said this, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. If you retain anyone's sins, they are retained. Now, as we read scripture and as you uh, study scripture, there's a couple things to keep in mind whenever you approach a text of scripture. Uh, One of the most important things is that there's no oopsies in Scripture, right? Whenever the gospel uh, writers and all the writers of Scripture were including these stories, uh, what you have to remember is that uh, they didn't live in a world where paper was readily available. They had uh, scrolls and paper, maybe if they were lucky, but they had to be very selective uh, because they had a limited amount of space where they could write. And so if a writer includes specific details in the text, uh, they're there for a reason. And so there's two that I kind of want to draw our attention to that paint for us what it means and how our lives are transformed whenever we are confronted with a resurrected Christ. And that is, is that the disciples were together, that the door was locked, 
and that the door was locked because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. The door was locked and they were locked because they were afraid of the Jewish leader. John didn't have to include those details, but he did. You see the difference there? The door was locked and they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Because what the disciples knew is that Jesus had just been crucified. And he had been crucified for a variety of reasons. The Jewish leaders crucified Jesus because he claimed to be the son of God and that was blasphemous in their eyes. Spoiler alert, he was right. Or Jesus really is the son of God. But the Romans had crucified Jesus because Jesus claimed to be of a higher authority than Caesar. And what that did in the eyes of the Roman Empire was that painted him as a revolutionary. And so what the disciples knew is that if you wanted to stamp out a revolution, what you did is you first off you killed the leader and then what did you what do you do next? You find the leader's most trusted disciples and you kill them next. So the disciples know that they're on the hit list. They're next in line, if you will. And to paint the picture even brighter, if you will, what I also like to remind people is that the disciples at this time, there's no way to know for certain how old the disciples really were, but we can gather from studies that have been done of that era that they were most likely not 30, 40, 50-year-old men. They were maybe 15, maybe 16-year-old teenagers. That was the age where you would enter into a discipleship with a rabbi was around that age. Peter was maybe the oldest because he was married. He was maybe 19, 20 years old. So what you have is you have this picture of terrified teenagers in this upper room. They know they're on the hit list. And what happens? Jesus Christ enters into the room. Doesn't matter that the door is locked. Doesn't matter that they were trying to keep people out. Jesus appears to them. And the disciples are confronted for the first time with the reality that Jesus Christ really did all of the things that he said he was going to do. So what happens? The first thing is that the disciples find that they are a sent people. Jesus Christ says, peace be with you, just as the Father has sent me, I also send you. Because what happens whenever you and I, and what happened with the disciples whenever they were confronted with the reality of a resurrected Jesus, with a resurrected Christ, what they found is that they could not help themselves but join in the work that Jesus had begun and what he continues to do to this day. And what we find in what Father Stan did such a wonderful job in his children's sermon painting is that these same terrified teenagers here at the end of the Gospel of John, fast forward to the book of Acts in chapter 5, and what are they doing? They're proclaiming the Gospel boldly to the same people that they were terrified of just a few short weeks ago. Whenever we are confronted with the reality of the resurrected Christ, that is the kind of transformation that occurs in us, the kind of work that we should yearn to do to preach Christ and him crucified and him resurrected from the dead. It is a message of hope and of love and of joy to a world that so desperately needs to hear it. We come to church every Sunday a, because it's important for us to gather as the body of Christ, but we come to church, we hear 
the word of God read, we hear the word of God taught, we receive the sacraments, and we do all this so that we can go out to do the work of Christ. The work that happens in this building is incredibly important, and I don't want to belittle it. But what I want to draw our attention to is that the most important work that this church can do happens outside of this building. What do we say at the end of every service? Let us go forth to know, love, serve, and obey Christ and to make him known to others. Thanks be to God. Whenever we are confronted with the reality of a resurrected Jesus, we find that we are a sent people. Point two, whenever we are confronted with the reality of the resurrected Jesus, we find that Jesus meets us where we are. We're going to start again in verse 24. That's right around when Thomas comes into the picture, if you're reading from the bulletin. And it reads, now Thomas, called Didymus, one of the twelve was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he replied, unless I see the wounds from the nails in his hands and put my finger into the wounds from the nails and put my hand into his side, I will never believe it. Eight days later, the disciples were again together in the house and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and examine my hands. Extend your hand and put it into my side. Do not continue in your unbelief, but believe. Thomas replied to him, my Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are the people who have not seen and yet have believed. So the story continues. The disciples find themselves in another upper room. Maybe it was the same one, maybe it was a different one. It doesn't matter. But Thomas had not been with them in that first meeting that they had where Jesus appears to them for the first time. And all the disciples come back and they come to Thomas. They're really excited. It's like, Thomas, guess what? The girls were right. Whenever Mary went to the tomb and he exclaimed that Jesus Christ was risen from the dead, they were right. He really has risen from the dead. And Thomas, if we're honest with ourselves, quite reasonably says, I don't believe it. People just don't rise from the dead. Weren't you there? Didn't you see he was crucified? Brothers and sisters, there was a lot of ways to kill people back in the day. Uh, Crucifixion was reserved as a particularly heinous punishment to really bring home the fact that this person was dead. There was no coming back from crucifixion in the day and the life of Jesus. So for Thomas, he quite reasonably says, I I don't believe it. And then what happens? They find themselves in an upper room again, and Thomas happens to be with them. And after saying, I won't believe unless I see the wounds and explore the side, I I won't believe. And Jesus, knowing Thomas's doubts, appears to him. And he invites Thomas to explore the very doubts that he had and says, come and feel the wounds, Thomas. Do not continue in your unbelief, but 
believe. Maybe you're here for the first time this Sunday. Maybe you've been here for a while. And maybe you're here and you so desperately want to believe this message of resurrection. But you just find it so hard to believe that this message of hope and peace and love and light seems so appealing, but it's just so impossible for a person to be resurrected from the dead. I can't quite put my faith in that. If you're that person this morning, what I want you to know is that Jesus Christ invites you to come forward towards him with those doubts. Jesus has met you where you are. He so desperately wants you to take just that tiny step of faith towards him with your doubts, with your hesitations. If you take just that tiny step of faith towards him, I promise you, your life will be changed forever. Jesus Christ meets us where we are. Thomas had every opportunity at the invitation of Jesus to come and to explore the wounds on his hands to turn away. But what did Thomas do? He took that tiny step of faith towards Jesus and what he found was that he really had been risen from the dead. And he says, my Lord and my God. Whenever we are confronted with the reality of the resurrected Jesus, with the resurrected Christ, we find that he meets us where we are. Doubts and all. The reality of the resurrected Jesus, we find, point three, he desires to give life. He desires to give life. Continuing on with verse 30, John ends this passage saying, Now Jesus performed many other miraculous signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not recorded in this book, but these are recorded so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Now I belong to a particular group of people called the Millennial Generation, and we get talked about a time or two. And one of the things that we millennials love to espouse often, those of us who may not, uh, those of my friends and may not know Jesus, our mantra is kind of like, just be the best version of yourself, right? Look within yourself and be the best version of yourself. And it's the same lie taught not just exclusively to millennials, but to all people that don't know Jesus, is it's the enemy, it's the world, trying desperately to say, look for other forms of fulfillment other than Jesus Christ. Because it's the same life. You just look within yourself and try to find the best version of yourself and aspire to that. That will be enough. That will make you happy. And what we find most often is two groups of people. We often find the people that constantly spend their lifetime looking for that fulfillment and never finding it. And at least in my opinion, even more terrifying, people that look for fulfillment and find happiness outside of Jesus. But what you and I know is that people, us, everywhere, were created to be in relationship with Jesus Christ 
And ironically, they can't be the best version of themselves outside of Jesus Christ. And so it's up to us to join with Jesus, to bring Jesus to them so that he can give them life. It's a message of hope. And it's a message of resurrection. And it's a message of light and life. It so often gets painted in this lie where it's a set of rules and a set of regulations that you have to follow. And that's not what the gospel is about. It's a message of hope and of resurrection. What John is talking about here at the end is that this is a message of life. Jesus desires to give life and he desires to give life abundantly. And he desires to give you a life that's going to last forever. That is the message of Easter. That is what drove the apostles to go forth and to proclaim Christ in front of the very people that had crucified him. It's what drove Thomas to accept Jesus after he had been invited to explore his doubts. Because you and I know that Jesus Christ is the only thing that will ultimately fulfill those that so yearn to fulfill it with other things. Jesus Christ comes to give life. Whenever we are confronted with the reality of the resurrected Christ, we find that he comes to give life. Whenever we are confronted with the reality of the resurrected Jesus, we find that we are a sent people. We should have a yearning to go forth to proclaim Christ. We find that Jesus meets us where we are, that Jesus has met us where we are, and he continues to do so. And finally, we find that the reality of the resurrected Jesus, that he desires to give life. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this Easter message. Thank you so much that your son continues to give hope and light and life to a world so that so desperately needs him. Be with us as we go forth from this place to a world that needs Jesus. I pray that you will empower us to be light and life to those people, that you will empower us to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Lord Jesus, we love you, and it's in your name we pray. Amen.